This podcast is about being deeply loved by God. Last episode, we started to focus on the word be to help us understand what it means to be deeply loved. With such a tiny word, it doesn't seem like there'd be much to say about it, but we're going to keep looking at it this episode. Specifically, we'll talk about why it's hard to just be and consider some ways to make it easier. And I'll leave you with a new meditation that may help you practice being. I'm Kristen Vincent. Welcome to the third episode of Being 1019. I'm so grateful that you're continuing to join me in this conversation about being deeply loved by God. Being 1019 is a podcast based on Daniel 1019, which reads, Do not fear, for you are deeply loved by God. Be at peace. It's my hope that together we can share ways to recognize and accept God's deep love for us, to revel and exult in it, and to share it with the rest of the world. The more we can all lead 1019 lives, the better off we'll all be. Last week, we talked about how important it is to just be. In the end, that's all that God asks of us, to just be. Sounds so simple and light, right? Just be. So why does it also seem hard? I mean, really, if it was so simple, we would all spend significant parts of our time being still with God. But we don't. In this episode, I thought I'd read a section from my latest book, Beads of Healing, Prayer, Trauma, and Spiritual Wholeness, which was published in March of this year by Upper Room Books. This book shares the story of my childhood trauma and healing journey, which included my time in the Academy for Spiritual Formation. The following excerpt is from the chapter titled, Being Still. The Academy worked for me because it gave me the space and the time, more than just a weekend, and the support to be still. In that repetitive, sustained stillness, I encountered God, mustered up the courage to speak my truth, listened for a response, heard it, and began to heal. It's the being still that is the real game changer. In our crazy, busy, hyper-connected, noisy lives, we rarely take time to be still. That's particularly true for us trauma survivors who stay busy and plugged in exactly so that we don't have to be still. We know that in the stillness, we will hear things we'd rather not hear. Fear, anger, grief, and other feelings associated with the trauma. But the Academy taught me that God's voice of deep, healing love proves stronger than our pain. And when we bring that pain to light, God transforms it into something holy. Then we can move on to become who God created us to be. The Academy model is all about rhythm, particularly for the two-year program. For two years, you pack up your bags every three months to go away for five days. Once you've arrived, you settle into the rhythm of the session. 
morning prayer, breakfast, lecture, silent reflection, group sharing, lunch, free time, lecture, silent reflection, group sharing, Eucharist, dinner, covenant group meetings, night prayer, and silence, which is broken only by morning prayer the next day. It's the same every day, every session, every year, and has been so for more than 34 years. This rhythm accounts for the Academy's effectiveness. At its heart resides an emphasis on being still. The Academy calls us out of our busy lives to sit with God, to listen, and pay attention. The concept of being still really appealed to me. I entered the Academy a type A overachiever, a whirling dervish of motion, ideas, lists, and responsibilities. I rarely sat still and seldom took time to listen. Even before getting in the car to go to the Academy, I submitted the manuscript for my first book, A Beaten of Prayer, to Upper Room Books. I arrived at Camp Sumatanga two hours early, feeling accomplished and ready to use the next two years to explore my calling and see what else I could achieve. I had this being still thing in the bag. The burst in my type A bubble was swift, breathtaking even. During Eucharist on our first full day, I walked up to receive the elements. As I did, I heard a soft voice within me say, I feel safe here. Wow, I thought. How wonderful to know that I feel safe here. This is going to be great. And I moved on. Two days later, during a time of silent reflection, I heard the same soft voice. This time, it stopped me in my tracks. That was me who said, I feel safe here. Instinctively, I knew that soft little voice belonged to my seven-year-old self. After 38 years, little Christy was emerging for the first time from her super-duper, totally awesome hiding place. She recognized that this setting offered something she had never had before. A safe place. A chance for her to be still long enough to lift up her sweet, small voice an opportunity for her to sit with the God of healing and share her story of deepest pain. Suddenly, I developed an awareness of a separate part of myself, a part that had been hiding most of my life and was now asking to be heard. I found the experience a little unnerving, startling, but also exhilarating. I understood immediately that I had figured this Academy adventure all wrong. It was not going to be primarily about my work with prayer beads. First and foremost, it was going to be about healing from the trauma I had suffered and survived all those years ago. It was going to be profound, life-changing, and beautiful. Everything I had prayed for and desired most. And it scared me to death. Be careful what you wish for, they say. Be careful what you pray for, I thought. Was I ready for an answer to my lifelong prayer? Not quite, because even as I went home to tell everyone about this profound experience and share my excitement about the Academy, I unconsciously began to fight stillness. As much as I wanted to be still and be healed, the idea of its actually happening 
terrified me. I couldn't imagine what else I would hear or feel. I didn't know how this healing experience would play out or how it would change my life. I was weary of feeling fearful, but fear, like an old worn-out cardigan that needed to be discarded, was familiar. I knew what to expect of it. By the time November rolled around, I headed to my second academy session fully armed. I arrived late and stressed, carrying my computer and a stack of work and a list of excuses for why I couldn't be still. Being still is hard, particularly in this day and age. Noise surrounds us, messages and alerts bombard us, supervisors ask us to work harder and produce more. When we do rest or take a break, we feel guilty, offering excuses and promising to work harder to make up for lost time. Add trauma to the mix, and being still becomes almost impossible. Movement and busyness keep the feelings at bay. Noise drowns out the memories and numbs the pain. The idea of creating space for the pain is terrifying, as we see in the biblical story about Elijah in 1 Kings. Elijah is traumatized. Queen Jezebel wants to kill him, so Elijah runs for his life, literally. He runs and runs until he can't run anymore. In the process, he ditches his assistant, the person whose job it is to support him. Finally, he reaches a desolate and remote place that provides only one lonely bush to sit under. There, he asks God to kill him. I don't judge him for that. While I never reached the point where I considered suicide, I have had moments where I said to God, I cannot do this anymore, and I am done. Elijah had clearly reached his breaking point. Of course, the Lord does not agree to Elijah's suicide plan. Recognizing Elijah's frail, emotional state, God instead sends an angel to minister to him. I imagine that Elijah's extreme exhaustion and experience of trauma prevented his recognizing this angel as sent from God. He probably doesn't even acknowledge this act of kindness. Still, the angel's ministry is so effective that Elijah journeys for 40 straight days through the desert until he reaches the place to which God is calling him. Mount Horeb. There, God asks Elijah, What are you doing here? God's question to Elijah seems obvious. Again, I can imagine Elijah's response. Really? Do you really have to ask what I'm doing here? Do I have to spell it out for you? The answer, of course, is yes. God knows Elijah needs to pour out his heart to God to name and recognize his feelings, concerns, and anxieties. And it's crucial that Elijah do that with God. Elijah needs to learn he can be still and honest and even angry with God. God offers Elijah an opportunity to rant and rave, a necessary part of the healing process. 
And Elijah takes God up on it. And when he finishes, God invites him to come out of his cave, to emerge from the place that holds his pain, and to be with God. And here, next, is just one way to interpret this part of the passage. 1 King 19, verses 11 to 12 read, Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. In this passage, I think we're seeing what Elijah believes will happen when he is still invulnerable. What he imagines will take place when he comes before the Lord with his trauma, having exposed all his pain. He thinks scary things are going to happen. He anticipates that it will be awful and terrifying, that the world will end in a storm of catastrophic wind, earthquakes, and or fire. He worries about being consumed by his pain. He's expecting that no good can come from this. But Elijah is safe because God is not in the catastrophic wind, the earthquakes, or the fire. Instead, Elijah encounters God in the peace and quiet, in the stillness, in the gentle whisper of the one who has been with him and ministering to him all this time. When he uncovers the depth of his pain, Elijah encounters the God who can transform that raging pain into a quiet, gentle peace, a peace that is healing and grace-filled. I don't judge Elijah for the way he handled his trauma. I get it. For many years, I ran with and from the pain of my trauma. I, too, ditched my assistants, those people God placed in my path to help me. I, too, missed the times when God tried to minister directly to me. I, too, ranted and raved when I felt that God was doing nothing about my pain. I, too, expected scary things to happen if I stayed still too long and listened to God's response. I feel sure that many of you get it as well. But here's the thing. We can't do this forever. We cannot keep up this pace and continue to drop the folks who want to help us and avoid the God who loves us deeply. We just can't. We weren't built to go it alone, y'all. More to the point, the Holy One created us to love God, ourselves, and others. But we can't do that if we're mired in pain. So we've got to be still. Our very lives depend on it. It's in the stillness that we find our truth. It's in being that we find peace. Being still is scary. It involves surrender and vulnerability. When we're still, we can't control things, and that's hard. It doesn't come naturally, 
especially when what we're trying to control is our heart's pain. Funny thing is, when we finally surrender, we realize we were never in control in the first place. I can promise you this. It's going to be okay. You will survive being still. Not only that, you will find God. As I shared in the last episode, one of my favorite scripture verses is Psalm 4610. Be still and know that I am God. When you are still, you will finally come to know God for who God is, a God of peace, healing, and comfort. That's what I found when I finally embraced being still at the Academy. And though it's been three years since I graduated from the Academy, I've continued to practice being still every day. It's an integral part of my life. I've found many ways to be quiet with God on a daily basis. I now crave and even enjoy being still, especially when life isn't going so well. I trust that I can bring my pain and questions to God and know I will come away with clarity sometimes, peace most of the time, and a sense of God's presence all the time. The good news is you can start small. Take baby steps as you practice being still. Sit outside and watch the birds for five minutes. Use an app such as Calm.com for two minutes. Write one paragraph in your journal. Try praying. Turn the radio off when you're in the car. Grab a coloring book and some crayons. It doesn't matter how, when, or how long. Get creative and incorporate options that fit your comfort level. When you discover that you're comfortable being still for small amounts of time, build up from there. And refrain from comparing yourself to anyone else. This is your journey, so own everything about it, including how you choose to be still with God. Remember last episode how we recognized that to be is to be enough? Know that however you can be, it is enough. Since Daniel 10.19 is the basis for this podcast and the inspiration for our being, let's try using it as a simple meditation that will help us be still. Again, it reads, Do not fear, for you are deeply loved by God. Be at peace. I often will break this down into three short statements. Do not fear. Deeply loved. Be at peace. Three lines each with three syllables, which makes it perfect for meditation. Repeat it over and over as long as you need to until you begin to feel less afraid, until you begin to feel deeply loved, until you begin to feel at peace. Now go and be still, listening for the gentle whisper of God. So, what do you think of being 1019? Are you liking this podcast? If so, click the subscribe button so you won't miss an episode. And feel free to share this episode with someone who may need to be reminded of God's deep love. Also, it would really help me if you would go to iTunes and write a review of this podcast. 
Given that we're the new kid on the block, it'll take a while for word to get out about being 1019. But your review will up our visibility in iTunes, which is no small thing. The more folks who live 1019 lives, the better off we all are. For information on my book, Beads of Healing, or the Daniel 1019 Breakdown, and other things I've mentioned in this episode, go to prayerworkstudio.com forward slash podcast for the show notes. Go there too to share any questions, comments, or ideas you have. I'd love to hear from you. I want to share my gratitude with Jonathan Adams, whose gorgeous guitar music you hear in the background. In a future episode, I'll tell you how I met Jonathan, because it's a great Being 1019 story. In the meantime, I encourage you to go to his website, sonicyogi.com, to learn more about him and download his music. I'm also grateful for this beautiful fall day. It is cool and breezy and fall outside. Surely this day is a sign of God's deep love. Until next time, remember, do not fear, for you are deeply loved by God. Be at peace. I'm Kristen Vincent. Thanks for joining me on this third episode of Being 1019.